Alright, today let's talk about some of dispelling some of the voice myths. The first myth is you're stuck with your voice. Most people I have a conversation with, they think that the voice they have currently is the voice they were born with. They cannot do anything about it. Maybe you think this too. Whether you hate your voice, you love it or you struggle, many people believe they can't use their voices differently or that doing so is incredibly difficult. Furthermore, you may feel too that your voice is in some way you and that changing your voice is a bit radical. It's almost like you lose your identity. Leaders, celebrities have always worked on their voices. Voice coaching is gaining popularity over the wide spectrum. In the early days of the leadership, Margaret Thatcher's voice in Parliament was piercing and shrill. Her advisors were keen for her to change it. She worked hard at the delivery with the voice coach and eventually acquired the deep, breathy tones that characterized her television interviews. However, she was sometimes ridiculed in the media for it and general opinion was that the new voice was artificial or pasted. However, her deeper tones gave her increased gravitas. It increased the respect of the general public. You can listen to the Downing Street Ears clips on YouTube. Start with the beginning of the episode 1 from 1971 and quickly flip to episode 4. What a difference. Today, more and more people are developing their voices. Sometimes significantly, sometimes subtly. They're changing the accents. They're changing the class accents, the regional accents, the pitch and the tone, and they're appreciating the different response they get as a consequence. You can change your voice. And when you change your voice, you get a better reaction from other people and a more positive feeling. The second myth is, your voice is out of your control. This myth links to the preceding one. If you believe that your voice is something you're born with, you may also believe your voice is out of your hands. You were born with it, you can't change it when things go wrong. You realize how important your voice is and know how difficult life becomes when you lose it. But your voice does what it does regardless of your actions. There are always changes in your voice, including negative changes. And they happen because of the human factors. For example, if you sing karaoke in a crowded pub and then you stand on a freezing train station for hours without a scarf, you can lose your voice. If you produce your voice badly, you put a strain on your vocal cords, you may eventually damage. If you never rest your voice, it never gets a chance to recover and becomes more prone to damage. Your diet also affects your voice. Smoking, drinking, do it in excess. There will be a large impact on the tone. In the upcoming episodes, we will be talking about some ideas about looking after your voice. You can do plenty about your voice. You can develop your voice just as you can build up your muscles or develop your dance moves. The entire process is about being interested, picking up the skills and practicing them. Your original speaking was learned, so you can also learn how to talk differently and better now. Third myth is, words matter more than voice. Oh my god. Many people continue to believe that only the words matter. And that's how you say them is of secondary importance. In today's world, the dynamic omnipresent audio, video, 
you encounter an enormous amount of communication in print. You have emails, you have text, you have internet, you have newspaper, you have magazines, you have books, you have articles. It encourages the people to think that the communication is only about words. When you prepare a speech, even just a short introduction at a meeting or a dinner party, your first instinct is usually written down on paper. You intend to say, then you take a second phase. You work out how you're going to say them. Within today's heavily scripted public relations driven environment, the printed speech is the thing. The press often receives printouts of political speeches or corporate announcements before anyone actually delivers them. This enables the press to report bizarrely that the Prime Minister will announce today that but the influence of the printed word is nothing compared to the influence of an inspirational speaker. How you deliver those words makes all the difference. It can also even change the emphasis and meaning without altering a word. So I'll give you an example like uh, take it like an anecdote. Ray is an executive working for an international insurance company. He had put a lot of effort into getting the words just right for an upcoming conference. By the time he came to me for coaching, he owned the text of his remarks and was pretty confident. His message was upbeat. His presentation was inspiring. He read the speech to me. Oh man. His flat tone was so boring that I failed utterly to keep my mind on what he was saying. It normally happens with me. Being a voice coach, I focus all my attention towards the sound of the words. How they're sounding, how they're making, them, making me feel, the music of the voice. It was very boring. Inspiring words turned into lackluster delivery. Upbeat message became depressing. My reaction and response while listening to him showed him communication is more than just the words you choose. He worked with me on finding what really mattered. How you can communicate with energy and passion. His delivery was transformed and on the important day of his presentation, there was an enthusiastic response and amazing feedback. Till the time you don't convey an upbeat message in a downbeat way, impression is downbeat. <laughs> Delivery always wins over words. In some of the episodes upcoming, we will be talking about some of the ways to awaken the enthusiasm in your voice. Many people they think in the terms of written word. If you ever see a written speech with annotations, speakers always include visual reminders like mind maps to express the written words in particular ways. They add exclamation marks. They write in bold, italics, different sizes, colors, or even add instructions and performance markings in the margins. A few reminders can clearly be helpful, but with too many, it's as if the speech starts as written words and have to have the expression put on the top. Certainly, a teleprompter instruction, pause and smile here, is more likely in the heat of the moment to produce an awkward grimace than a genuine warm smile. Practicing with the teleprompter is a different thing and using a teleprompter is a different thing altogether. In some of the upcoming episodes, we'll be talking about how to prepare and read from the scripts. <laughs> the trouble with the written word is that until you say the words aloud, your audience hears how you say them. You don't fully understand the impact. When you listen to others, 
The meaning of what they say isn't the same as the words they use. The sound is what conveys the sense most accurately. In Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll, Humpty Dumpty asserts, when I use a word, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. To say this, of course, it does Mr. Humpty. Interestingly, without knowing my tone of voice, you can't tell whether I agree or disagree. If I say it with a high-pitched energetic voice, of course, it does Mr. Humpty. I am genuinely enthusiastic. But if I say in a low, of course, it does Mr. Humpty. It also has that expression of sarcasm. Try saying the phrase in a different ways, yourself, right now. Notice how changing your tone of the voice can actually change the comprehension or the meaning or the understanding. Obviously, getting your tone to match your meaning is important. We will talk that in the later chapters. Okay, let's talk about the meaning of love. There are various meanings of love. I know you're thinking, I just have a dictionary, I'll check the meaning of the word and I'll feel confident that the definition is right. Love is not about reading, love is more about understanding and feeling. Dictionary definitions are the usage, but when you go into a certain context with a certain person, you start experiencing love. Even before the first English language dictionary, it cast down, there were the meanings that were cast down in stone rather than in print. There was more fluidity about the meaning of the words. In everyday usage, People accepted that the precise meaning of words depended on inflection and the tone and the visual cues and the expressions and the body language. Love, for instance, a wife and a husband love each other. Teenagers love their schoolmates. People love talks. People love oysters. They love working out. They love their religion. They love arguments and troublemaking. They love truth and dignity. Love abounds and the meaning of the word is heavily dependent on the context. If we shout, I love you, and take another person by the shoulders and shake him or her, and the meaning is certainly not the same if you whisper gently, I love you, as you gaze adoringly into your beloved's eyes. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Or even more specifically, it's not what you say, it's how you make your listener feel. I hope I made you feel amazing emotion deep inside you and you got to learn something new thank you so much for listening i'll join you in the next episode take care bye bye